0: The reading is from the first chapter of Luke, verses 26 through 56. Six months later in Nazareth, a city in the rural province of Galilee, the heavenly messenger Gabriel made another appearance. This time the messenger was sent by God to meet with a virgin named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. The messenger entered her home. Greetings! "'You are favored, and the Lord is with you. "'Among all women on the earth, you have been blessed.' "'The heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary, "'and she wondered what type of greeting this was. "'Mary, don't be afraid. "'You have found favor with God. "'Listen, you are going to become pregnant. "'You will have a son, and you must name him Savior, or Jesus. "'Jesus will become the greatest among men. "'He will be known as the Son of the Highest God.' God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever.
1: But I have never been with a man. How can this be possible?
0: The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. That's why this Holy Child will be known as not just your son, but also as the Son of God. It sounds impossible, but listen, you know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is now far too old to be a mother, yet she has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months she will have a son, so the impossible is possible with God.
1: Here I am, the Lord's humble servant, as you have said, let it be done to me. And the heavenly messenger was gone. Mary immediately got up and hurried to the hill country in the province of Judah, where her cousins Zacharias and Elizabeth lived. When Mary entered their home and greeted Elizabeth, who felt her baby leap in her womb, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit.
0: You are blessed, Mary, blessed among all women, and the child you bear is blessed. And blessed I am as well, that the mother of my Lord has come to me. As soon as I heard your voice greet me, my baby leaped for joy within me. How fortunate you are, Mary, for you believed that what the Lord told you would be fulfilled.
1: My soul lifts up to the Lord. My spirit celebrates God, my liberator. For though I am God's humble servant, God has noticed me. Now and forever I will be considered blessed by all generations. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. From generation to generation, God's loving kindness endures for those who revere him. God's arm has accomplished mighty deeds. The proud in mind and heart God has sent away in disarray. The rulers from their high positions of power God has brought down low. And those who were humble and lowly God has elevated with dignity. The hungry, God has filled with fine food. The rich, God has dismissed with nothing in their hands. To Israel, God's servant, God has given help, as promised to our ancestors, remembering Abraham and his descendants in mercy forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth in Judea for the next three months and then returned to her home in Galilee.
2: I don't know if it's true or not, but sometimes there are some days when it feels to me like we're in the midst of another baby boom. Here at Zion, there are a number of folks expecting or who've recently had babies. Uh, I know that there are some of you who have uh, children or grandchildren who are expecting. Uh, I think of some of my own family members, my nieces and nephews. Not that nieces and nephews are being born, my nieces and nephews are having children. At last count, if if I've counted properly, I already have 18 grandnieces and nephews, and I'm the oldest uh, of my brothers. So um, the most recent one was my niece, Jessica, had uh, her first child three weeks ago, a little girl, and in that family, that's my brother and sister-in-law, that's their first grandchild, and I know that they're really excited, and uh, I've seen pictures of the baby on Facebook. I can't tell you how much she weighed. I'm not even sure of her name yet, but um, but I know she 's born, but it 's interesting that I remember very vividly the day that Jessica was born, the mother of this child that was born three weeks ago. Jessica was born on Christmas Eve morning in one thousand nine hundred and eighty four I was home from seminary on break, and uh, my brothers were doing she was born that morning. My brothers were out doing uh, last minute Christmas shopping for their wives, and we all met up at the Gray Fox restaurant on the river in downtown. Um, Oshkosh to celebrate uh, Jessica's birth and it was just it was one of those moments that just stands out to me very vividly just being with my brothers on that occasion and it was such a joyous occasion for us because um, Jessica was the first girl born in our family in two generations. I'm one of five boys and then as my nieces and nephews started being born it was all nephews Until finally Jessica was born. It was like, praise God. You wonder why there's so many Millers in the world. It's uh, way too many boys. I don't know what's up with that. But very vivid memories of of the day that Jessica was born. So um, we are today and in the next few weeks preparing and thinking about all the things and recounting the events around the birth of Jesus as we look forward once again to celebrating his birth or his birthday And the events surrounding Jesus' birth were so unusual that people remembered them. And then when Luke goes to record them, remember he says he did a careful investigation and uh, um, eventually talking with those around whom this story unfolded. um, The memories were vivid of because it was so unique. The memories were vivid of Jesus' birth. Our scripture that you just heard read this morning is a continuation of Luke. We're following the story, the narrative of Jesus' birth. And Gabriel, who came to Zechariah six months earlier and announced to to Zechariah that Elizabeth was going to give birth to their son, their firstborn son, John the Baptist, now comes to to Mary six months later to announce um, the birth of Jesus to her, that she will bear a son. And... uh, and uh, you could say that Gabriel's appearance to Mary was like a gender reveal party. Do you know what that is? Have, have you heard of that? Gender reveal parties. It's, it's sort of a new trend, um, I guess. Um, there's, it's happening among couples who are expecting a child. It's called a gender reveal party. And it's, a, it's different than a baby shower. And it usually precedes the baby shower. And unlike baby showers, which are women-only events men get invited to the gender reveal party woohoo we get to play games too so here's some information and ideas that i found about a gender reveal about gender reveal parties courtesy of pampers one of the most exciting parts of being pregnant is finding out whether you're expecting a little boy or a girl. And a gender reveal party is a cool way to get friends and family involved. Here's how to plan a gender reveal party, as well as some creative party ideas to make your reveal even more memorable and fun. Decide on a theme. Now, here's where some people... Uh, are critical of these parties because they sort of perpetuate gender stereotypes, but it's all in fun. So be creative. Choose a unique party theme. Here are some ideas to inspire you. Remember, you're thinking about, is it going to be a boy or a girl? So bows or bow ties? Bow ties. Pirates or mermaids? Quarterbacks or cheerleaders? Mustaches or lipsticks? Rifles or ruffles? Wheels or heels? Well, the site, uh, the site also offered ideas for gender-revealed games. And some of them, or most of them, were sort of these guessing games. One of them is called Blue or Pink, What Do You Think? And then, of course, there comes that moment in those parties when, the, when it's actually revealed. And if you don't know how this works, usually the couples themselves who are expecting, they don't know the gender yet. They've gone to the doctor, they got the ultrasound, but someone else is given the information in a sealed envelope. And then that person is responsible for for the reveal, for the party. Uh, I have friends in, in Jamestown here who had a gender reveal party just a few months ago, and they just gave birth. Uh, I, saw, I wasn't there, but I saw um, on, a, on Facebook, the moment that they revealed it, they all had glow sticks, and on, and on the queue, they all shook their stick or broke it, and they were all blue. And so, this last Monday night, they had a baby boy. Uh, so you can do it all kinds of ways, I guess balloons out of a box, so it'd have to be all pink balloons or all blue balloons, you get, it, you get the idea. So it's, it's all about revealing the, the sex or the gender of the baby. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, had her own unplanned and impromptu gender-revealed party courtesy of God's messenger, Gabriel. Gabriel told her that God was with her and that she was going to be with child. Mary's going to have a baby. And all this must have, all of this must have been dizzyingly disturbing for Mary because she's not yet married. She was legally betrothed to Joseph, but they'd not been together yet. Um, Mary had not been intimate with anyone. She's a virgin. And uh, so she quizzically asked Gabriel, how will this be? Gabriel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Every birth is more than a mere biological happening. Uh, life is a gift. Life is a miracle. But the life of Jesus was an even more astounding miracle. The incarnation, God clothed in humanity, the Word becoming flesh. This is, a, this is an incredible miracle. And, uh, uh, and perhaps the greatest miracle ever. Jesus would have a human mother and a heavenly father. But he wasn't half God and half man. He was fully God and fully man. I, I can't help but think about the Greek and Roman mythology. Some of those stories of, of the Greek and Roman gods cavorting with humans and then having human slash divine offspring. Well, the Bible doesn't read like ancient mythology. The Bible reads like a clunky historical narrative and Luke assures us at the outset that he carefully investigated these things, and tradition has it that Luke actually spoke with Mary and around about her experience. And Luke was a doctor, Luke knows how babies are conceived, and yet he has no difficulty believing Mary's account. Gabriel not only reveals to Mary that she is going to have a baby and how, but like a gender reveal party, she is told the sex of the baby. It will be a boy. But what is revealed doesn't stop there. Gabriel instructs Mary to give her baby the name Jesus. She doesn't even get to pick the name for her firstborn. Jesus, by the way, was a common name in the first century. (laughs) I guess it's not even all that uncommon today. I've met several Hispanic people who go by the name of Jesus. Maybe you have too. It was a common name. But the name Jesus is a Greek and Anglicized form of the name Joshua or Yeshua. In fact, Mary most likely and Joseph, because they were Hebrew, spoke Aramaic, they would have referred to their son as Yeshua or Yeshua. And uh, we call him Jesus. And the name means the Lord saves, Yahweh saves. Jesus was not, as I said, an uncommon name, but the symbolism of Jesus' name was probably not lost on the people of his day. Jewish people took names seriously, and they saw them as a source of blessing and power. In Jesus' name, people were and are healed, demons banished, and sins forgiven. Gabriel goes on to reveal who this child is and what he will become Gabriel opens, you could say, a time capsule that connects the ancient past with the future. There's actually, uh, again, among those ideas for gender reveal parties, there's a game called time capsule. And once the gender of the baby is revealed at the party, you invite your guests to write notes or um, predictions or advice for the baby, and then that's sealed in a box, or maybe it's recorded by video and saved to give to the child uh, down the road as they grow up. So Gabriel, looking down through this time capsule, if you will, down the corridor of time, and he reveals to Mary that her son will be great. Jesus will be great. In case the political implications are lost on you, let me remind you that in first century Palestine and throughout the Roman Empire, Caesar was Lord, a son of God, and the Savior of Rome. In fact, Caesar Caesar Augustus even borrowed the term gospel or good news, euangelion, for his own, uh, he applied it to his own new world order that represented his reign. Interesting that the language that we use around Jesus in the gospels, sort of, we miss the fact that these are political statements written in the first century. Caesar demanded complete allegiance to himself which is why Christians were often persecuted. It wasn't just their faith in Jesus. It was their allegiance to Jesus over Caesar Augustus. Jesus was Lord and King. Their allegiance was to Jesus who was King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the Savior of the world. To love and serve and worship Christ alone was a political statement. Jesus' coming had both political and religious implications. There's always been this tension between and a commingling mingling of, of, I'll just say, religion and politics. You can't really get away from it. But as Christ followers, we need to be clear about, who, uh, about to whom we owe allegiance. According to Gabriel, Jesus would be great, but his greatness would be both hidden and revealed. Fast forward 30 years, and the greatness of Jesus was not in exalting himself but in his humility. It was demonstrated by service and sacrifice. Jesus' greatness brought healing, not destruction. It brought um, reconciled relationships rather than division. Jesus' greatness meant forgiveness for sinners, freedom for those in bondage, and welcome for the marginalized, and good news for the poor. Today is December 9th, 2018, Whatever you may believe about Jesus, the birth of Jesus was so important that it split history right in two, in two parts. Everything that has ever happened on planet Earth can be put into category of either before Christ or after Christ. Richard Nixon got carried away with the excitement in 1969 when the Apollo astronauts landed on the moon, and this is what he said, "'It's the greatest day since creation.'" But Billy Graham solemnly reminded him of Christmas and Easter. By any measure of history, Graham was right. Jesus, who in his lifetime preached to fewer people than even one of Billy Graham's crusades, changed the world more than any other person. He introduced a new force field into history and now holds the allegiance of a third of all people on earth. Brian McLaren writes of the greatness of Jesus. He said, A new and unprecedented social reality is being created, a new realm, a new network of relationships, a new kingdom. He writes this. He says, As we have seen, Jesus enjoys table fellowship with prostitutes and drunks, seeming to shift the locus of spirituality from the temple, which he says is going to be destroyed, to the table of fellowship and reconciliation. He affirms and responds to the faith of Gentiles, Romans, Syrophoenicians, and Samaritans. It takes a while for his followers to realize where this will lead, but eventually they get it. They realize that in the kingdom of God, they can no longer label people with old labels like male, female, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, rich, poor, barbarian, Scythian, and so on. They must see people in a new light. When they see people as God's creations, beloved by the king... And welcome in the kingdom, they must open their hearts, homes, tables, and fellowships to everyone without regard for old distinctions. That's radical. End of quote. Jesus will be great. And the kingdom of God will be radically, scandalously inclusive. And that is good news. In Jesus, we see greatness. This, is, this by the way, is the fulfillment of the promises that were given to Abraham. When God said to Abraham, through your offspring, through your seed, that's the Messiah, all nations, all people will be blessed. Well, Gabriel continues to reveal to Mary who Jesus is. She says he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Two terms there, Lord God, are the most prominent names found in the Old Testament, Yahweh and Elohim. Yahweh is the personal name of God. Elohim is the Hebrew word for God. Jesus, Mary's son, will be called the Son of God. He is the God of Abraham and the Son of Man. Gabriel reveals as well that Jesus will be given the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, forever and his kingdom will never end. At this point, Mary and anyone who's hearing these words knows the identity of this child who's about to be born. Immediately, they know that Mary's son, this is the Messiah or Christ. Unquestionably, this is the child for which Israel has been waiting. All those prophecies, all those promises now fulfilled. Luke is intentional about the language he uses. Gabriel is intentional about the language he used. They are connecting the birth of Jesus with ancient whispers and words and promises and prophecies. And now they are being fulfilled as the big God story is unfolding now, despite the humble circumstances of, of Jesus' birth, he was born king of the Jews. And this is what Gabriel is saying, that he will be king on David's throne. You remember when Jesus was, shortly after he was born, the magi, the wise men who came, they came in search of the one who was born king of the Jews. And then some 30, 33 years later, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, Pilate orders that a sign be posted above his head on the cross Pilate did it to mock the Jews, to sort of get them back. But it was true nevertheless, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Written in three languages so that everyone could read it. It was true. Jesus is king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. Jesus is uh, the king of righteousness. That's a moral king. Jesus is the king of heaven and earth. That's a universal king. Jesus is the king of glory. That's a celestial king. And again, despite the humble circumstances of Jesus' birth, born of Mary, a poor and yet faithful uh, follower of God, Gabriel reveals the royal lineage and the eternal reign of Jesus. It's quite a reveal party, Mary, to be given all of this information really before she even became pregnant. It's amazing. And then God was, was so gracious and revealed to Mary that, that she would be the son That and, she, and he continued to give her glimpses of who that son was and what he would be. Uh, God was gracious as he continued to reveal to her. Um, uh, I just think, you can imagine Mary walking away from that experience with Gabriel wondering, what just happened? Is that real? Did I hear right? Was I dreaming? Was it... Was that real? And she goes off to her cousin, to her relative Elizabeth, and the moment she steps into Elizabeth's house, at the sound of her voice, John the Baptist, who's in the womb of Elizabeth at this point, probably near the end of her pregnancy, leaps in the womb for joy. Gabriel had said six months before that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Well, he's apparently got the Holy Spirit even in the womb. And then there's Elizabeth who's filled with the Holy Spirit as well at Mary's greeting. And, and, and Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed are you that you believe that what God said will come true. And so all of this is affirming for Mary. Yes, it's true. It's all true. And and, and it's being affirmed. and And in... <laughs> In their words, in, in Mary, even in Mary's song, again, God is revealing, because they're being filled with the Spirit, God continues to reveal bits and pieces about who this child is and who he will become. And then the night that Jesus was, was born, Mary and Joseph probably finally enjoying a moment of stillness, and then who shows up? A bunch of scruffy shepherds with news that they had been visited by angels that night with the news. That a savior had been born to them, and they came searching for that Christ child. And then, about a week later, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to have him dedicated. And there they walk in, and there's two old dear saints, elders, Simeon and Anna, and again, Prompted by the Holy Spirit, they approach Mary and Joseph. Somehow knowing who this child is, Simeon takes that baby in his arms, and he says, Sovereign Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the face of all people. Anna also prophesied about this child. Simeon prophesied that that this child, that something would happen in the future, that would pierce Mary's own heart. And then weeks, maybe months later, men from the east showed up from the far east. Scientists, astronomers, astrologers, stargazers. Again, guided by star, coming to see the one who was born, king of the Jews. Afterward, Mary and Joseph were warned to flee to Egypt for the safety of of their newborn. They would be refugees on the run fleeing danger and violence that would take the lives of all of the infants in Bethlehem. Scripture tells us that Mary, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She held these things as she watched her little boy grow up and become a man and begin his ministry, facing rejection. And then when she witnessed him murdered on a Roman cross, and with a broken heart, she grieved until she, along with others, witnessed Jesus raised from the dead all this to say that even mary to whom much had been revealed about her son would continue to have things revealed as the story unfolded and not only mary joseph the shepherds the magi simeon and anna And then years later, the disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, and Zelda, then Nicodemus, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Zacchaeus. And after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, Jesus was revealed to Saul on the road to Damascus. And down through the ages to the martyrs, Stephen, Lucia, Nicholas Ridley, Thomas Cranmer, Hugh Latimer, Paul Carlson, and to the early church fathers. Polycarp, Irenaeus, Origen, Augustine, to the desert fathers and mothers, to Simeon and and Francis and Teresa, to the Reformers, Luther, Calvin, Swingley, Spener, Waldenstrom. And Christ has revealed, I trust has been revealed to you and to me. I have to share a dream with you that I had last night. It's really bizarre. So I dreamt last night that I was, I don't know, I was somewhere in somebody's living room, somebody's home, there were folks from the church there, and we got talking about today. And I started sharing the sermon, and I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding, in my dream, word for word, my sermon, at least a portion of it, like I had, and I didn't have it memorized, but it was there, and it, it was in my dream, I'm like word for word, sharing what I was going to be preaching today with the folks who were there, and... Uh, and then there was another group off in the other room and they finished what they were doing and they, they came in and joined us in, in the larger group. And again, I think it was folks from the church, maybe friends, I don't even know who all was there except the one person that I do remember, Pastor Jay was there. And, uh, and somebody said something about him, I don't remember what they said. And then I noticed, this is, the part, this is the part that was really weird. Jay wasn't wearing a shirt. I know, it's very disturbing, isn't it? But, but what I noticed, what I noticed was, I told Jay, I assured him it like, wasn't like weird. All I remember seeing was his side right here. And what I saw was like um, a bruise or a wound. And, and I'm like thinking, what is that? And then I knew, even in my dream and when I woke up, Jesus. Jesus. Meaning Jesus is revealed in us, Right? I see Jesus in Ralph and Carolyn. I see Jesus in Elaine. I see Jesus in Matthew. I see Jesus in Grace. I see Jesus in Gary. And now some of you are wondering, like, why didn't he say my name? (laughs) I was sitting right next to them. I could easily say all of your names. But here's the point. You want me to see Jesus in you. You want Jesus to be seen through you, don't you? Not only has Christ been revealed to you, I mean, when I think about my own life, from from infancy and childhood, up through adolescence, college, seminary, 30 years of ministry, God has revealed to me himself. God has revealed, Jesus has been revealed to me. And yes, when I was little, it was simple, maybe even simplistic, and it has become increasingly more complex, but increasingly more wonderful. You know, my hope and dream for you, my, my desire for you, is that you have a curiosity, a hunger, a longing to know Jesus more. To be open to that. To experience, like Mary, like Mary, where it just seemed to never really end. Like given this incredible revelation up front before she even bears Jesus. But then throughout Jesus' life. And I'm sure even after Jesus rose and ascended, there were probably still things that Mary was learning and discovering about her own son. And this was true of everyone around the story. It's just amazing. And, and all this to say that Christ it can be revealed in, in, to us, in us, and through us. Some of you maybe have been on those weekend retreats that are called around here, they call them koinonia or footsteps. Um, I did it in Michigan. It was called Walk to Emmaus. There's a song that we sung. I think they do it here too. There's a song that is sung when you're on those weekend retreats It goes like this. I won't sing it, but it it ask the question, have you seen Jesus my Lord? Take a look, take a look around. He's here in plain view. The point is that we are the body of Christ. And so we should see Christ in one another. When I saw the wound in Jay's side, I knew immediately, I see Jesus in my brother Jay. And I see Jesus in many of you. And and there's one more last thought that I would, that I'll even share this. If you believe in the cosmic Christ as I do, meaning that Christ is over all and in all, you may even catch a glimpse of Jesus revealed in places you never imagined, in his creatures, in creation. Even in those who don't yet know him or don't yet call on the name of Jesus. It might be your Muslim co-worker. It might be your Jewish son-in-law you will catch a glimpse of Jesus because they too are made in the image of God and they too have been reconciled through Christ Jesus, whether they know it or not. Don't be surprised where you catch a glimpse of Jesus, where he's revealed. And all I can say to you now is this. Keep your eyes open. There are some things, by the way, you can do to, 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 to have even more revealed to you of Christ. You can ask God to show himself more to you. He will answer that prayer because he will honor that prayer because that's his will as well, that you know him, right? That's our mission statement, to know Christ. God will answer that prayer if you ask for it. Show me more of yourself, God. Show me more of Jesus. Another thing you can do, read the Gospels. Go home this week. Read the Gospel of Luke. Read the Gospel of John. Read through them and pray for fresh eyes, fresh ears to hear the words of Jesus, to examine the things that Jesus did, the way he lived his life and don't be surprised if you don't find some of your presuppositions about Jesus being challenged or changed. Wow, I never noticed that before. I didn't didn't understand that before. Wow, Jesus is really tough in this place or Jesus is really loving in that case. So, Read scripture and two other things. And I put notes in your bulletin this morning, two books. I heard this, that in the last 20 to 30 years, there have been more written about Jesus than in the last 2,000 years. Not all of it good, trust me. But two things that I will strongly recommend to you is a book by Philip Yancey called The Jesus I Never Knew. The Jesus I Never Knew. Excellent read. And the others by Brian McLaren. And the title of that book is The Secret Message of Jesus. Both great reads. They'll open your eyes, they'll expand you, they'll deepen your understanding of Christ and who He is and what He taught and did. More will be revealed. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, give us eyes to see, hearts to believe. Show yourself to us, make yourself known through us. And Lord, as we carry on your work in the world, as we long for your return in glory, may we have no difficulty recognizing you on that day when you return. Lord, thank you for the many ways that you have and continue and will yet reveal yourself to us. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.